Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Katherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today, I have two very awesome guests joining me. One, he's an actor, lifelong Raptors fan, and friend to the show. You know him from all your TurboTax commercials all playoff season long. It's Matthew Brown. And along with uh, Matthew, I've got uh, Raptors Republic's own Confederacy of Dunks host, Freddie Rivas. How you guys doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Like, I love the TurboTax, like, you know, <laughs> off the top. It's like, you got to let them know, man. Yeah, man. That's That's me asking people what their third period second half plans look like and get their taxes done but yeah man i'm I'm happy to be here i got my norman powell i understand the grind sweater on for buckets i got my tea sponsored by timmy's this morning so uh unofficially (laughs) but you know i'm good yeah and and matthew for all our listeners based in toronto you've got an awesome play uh that you're starring in tell us about it yeah, I do. Uh, the play is called Is God Is. It is running at Canadian Stage. It is a co-production with Canadian Stage, Obsidian Theatre, and Necessary Angel. And it is a uh, violent revenge story. Oh. Spaghetti Western meets Afropunk meets hip-hop. Um, and uh, without spoiling the entire plot of the play, um, two twins get burned in a fire their mother comes to them with one simple request after she was also burned in the same fire. And her request is make your daddy dead. Whoa. And that's the plot of the play. So come out and check us out. Canadian stage. Our first preview is tonight, May 6th. We open on May 11th and we close on May 22nd. Get your tickets now. Amazing. At Canadian stage, I imagine. At Canadian stage, Berkeley street theater. Hell of a request. Yeah, right? <laughs> Make yo daddy dead. Let him know, you know? Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that's quite the log line, you know? <laughs> that's, <quite the> <laughs> that's amazing. I'm definitely going to try it and come out and see it. Uh, awesome. All right, guys, let's get into basketball. Uh, on this show, we, we start with NBA and then we move into Raptors. Uh, the last two weeks, I was like flipping the script because there was so much going on with the Raptors, but we're back to the regular format. And we got to dive in to this Golden State Warriors Memphis Grizzlies series. Are you like, I, I, I want to get into my abolish the conferences feelings like already right off the top, because to me, this series and whoever faces uh, no disrespect, but whoever faces the Phoenix Suns uh, after this, to me, these are going to be the best series of the entire thing. Like, I think both of these are going to be better than whatever the finals ends up being. Maybe that's just me. But I want to talk about these flagrant fouls. So in game one, Draymond Green got the flagrant two, was ejected from the game. Uh, And then in game two, uh, Dylan Brooks was also immediately ejected from the game and now has a one-game suspension after his foul on uh, Gary Payton Jr., the second. I don't know what they call him, Jr., the second. I think it's the second. (laughs) People are calling them different types of gloves, mittens and stuff it's just terrible for the guy um but anyway fingerless gloves 
there's been a lot of debate about what is a flagrant foul, what serves an ejection, what mm. serves a suspension, and what is quote-unquote playoff basketball. How much more physical can playoff basketball be? So let's start with the Draymond Green foul first because that happened first in game one. Uh, mm. Let's start with me, Matthew. Have you, have you seen it? What did you think of it when it first happened? How did you feel about it afterwards? Because I felt like the narrative kept shifting around it after – the after the foul itself actually occurred what are your thoughts i'll be completely honest the draymond one i haven't seen so it's harder for me to comment on the draymond one i you're feel busy like finding I was daddy busy. To kill, apparently yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i was busy uh i was busy watching the people die in the play um but i do know it, it's interesting to see how those kind of fouls and those kind of plays can galvanize a team and then make a team more motivated and seem stronger, right? Because it was like after that, Golden State, to my knowledge anyway, from what I was following along on Twitter and following along the score, kind of took control of the game, found a way to take game one. Am yes. I right about yes. that? Yeah. And so like that kind of that kind of physicality being in the game and then someone getting, you know, they they get the suspension, but they took the win. So how does Golden State really feel about that? You know what I mean? Like, I mm -hmm. feel like they, they probably take that trade off any day. Um, so, yeah, the Draymond one's a little bit more tricky for me to comment on. The Dylan Brooks one I did see, but I know we'll get to that uh, later. Okay, sure. um, so, yeah, I'll throw it back to you, Catherine, so you can. Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Freddie, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I've thought about this a bunch, and I feel like I, I followed the the Twitter roller coaster and – you know, initially, I guess, you know, I wasn't vocal about it, but was sort of part of the, the group of like, is this really like a flagrant two? Mm. You know, then, then I saw the angle where, you know, it, it does seem like <clears throat> perhaps there was attempt at the ball a little bit, but he really followed through on the face. So, mm -hmm. so there's, there's the first piece of contact where, uh, Draymond just like open hand smacks the guy in the forehead, like mm. pretty hard. And then the follow up of yanking his jersey midair is is roughly as dangerous as you get in basketball. Mm. So it's to me, it's the one two punch of of kind of like it's just it's there's all sorts of unnecessary there. You know, does that warrant a flagrant two? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sort of on the side of like. You know, Van Gundy said before, we're, you know, we're legislating toughness out of the game. Mm. I think that's a fair point. But also on the other side, and, and again, I know we'll get to the, the Gary Payton thing, but it's kind of like, do we want to do we want to walk this line of like for the sake of like machismo and toughness, like to put players like health at extreme risk? Like these guys work their whole lives and you know, a horrific injury can, can, can derail a player's career can derail, a, a you know, a, a playoff team's hopes. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think I, I'm sort of on the side of like, I watch a lot of soccer too. So I think like the first hit was a yellow and the follow-up was a yellow. Mm. So I think it's a red ultimately. Right. Right. Um, and it's, it's like a, it's a soft red kind of, but at the same time, you smack the guy in the face. So <laughs> stop there. But, you know, he didn't stop there. And, you know, yanking a guy like, I mean, I'm, I'm fully like team, team airborne. Don't mess with a guy. Like he just mm. can't defend himself. I, I, I think it's much more debatable when, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of Raptors, but like, you know, flying elbows and, and that yeah. sort of thing I think is, is much more, I don't know, tricky. I think it's like a non-starter. Like when someone's mm. in the air, just bad things happen. So in that sense, I ultimately am for the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm for the toss. Um, even if it's not, you know, as egregious as some of the stuff we saw in the 90s, right? But we're not right. in the 90s. You know, we know more now. We've changed. We're trying to be better. Yeah, the, the very interesting thing for me around Draymond Green is that uh, it was confusing because on the broadcast, they go to Steve Javi oh, and, then, and then Steve, <laughs> Steve Javi, Javi is like flagrant one. 
right. you know, and then and then there and then the refs keep reviewing it and they take a long time and it gives the crowd mm-hmm. enough time to start chanting, like, get him out, get him out or kick mm-hmm. him out. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but they were chanting mm-hmm. to get him kicked out of the game. And I actually do think that had a sway on the refs because. It was like a really hot Memphis crowd, but also they're looking at the video and they're like, well, there is some context for it. And then later you see the replays more with him hitting the face. It was more the jersey grab that we were looking at initially. I feel like him hitting uh, the face came out after the fact. And then Mm -hmm. you feel the commentators trying to like take a step back and explain it. (laughs) And so I think that leaves the audience in a weird place, right? And this happens all the time in the NBA where it's like, you don't know which way a call is going to go. It goes away. You don't expect. And the broadcasters are left trying to make sense of what happened. And it was one of those calls where you felt the broadcasters trying to make sense of it after the fact. And so Mm -hmm. I think that helps shape the fan narrative around it. And then you see all these replays afterwards But to me, what I am going to consider uh, a historic moment in sports broadcast, sports broadcast history is Draymond Green going on his podcast immediately (laughs) after the game. I know to talk about it. No one's ever done this before. That's how the game has changed in this era. right? Absolutely. And on his Twitter, he's hashtagging new media. Like this is the new media. This is the I new love Draymond. <laughs> this, like... is, this is the new era. I'm gonna get ahead of my narrative. Mm. I'm going to tell people that me grabbing his jersey was my way of helping his fall and not a malicious intent on my part. And this mm. is how I'm going to ensure that I'm not going to get suspended, although I don't think that was on the table. And this is how I'm going to ensure that I'm, you know, doing my best to ensure that I'm refereed in, in a particular way and that I'm proud of my toughness. And this is who I am. Nobody's done this on such a platform Mm. immediately after a game. Mm -hmm. And Dylan Brooks (laughs) doesn't have a high profile podcast. And I don't think he has a strong social media presence generally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's not getting ahead of his narrative. And this is just a wild new, I mean, it is a new era of, of sports and sports media and how players continue to control their narrative. And that is directly impacting this playoff series. Mm. I, f- I feel like Dylan Brooks needs some help from the from Canada. Like he needs a, a Canada Council <laughs> grant. I don't know. You know I mean, I think you know I think what? Dylan Brooks might have. Maybe he should have played hockey. Honestly, <laughs> he he's rough, man. Like he's definitely, yeah. He might he might have lost that uh, a little bit of that Canadian support when he came on our court and was yelling and one at Pascal. So yeah, yes, yeah, the, yeah. The north the, the north remembers Dylan Brooks. You know what? The There's north a really remembers. random uh, video that the um the uninterrupted mm. posted and it's and it's dylan brooks and it's oh, yeah. and it's bane and it's one of the guy on the memphis grizzlies i'm blanking on who it was and they're talking about how they got into a fun time in toronto and they were <laughs> like they oh and they were like oh no 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 don't talk about what we did in toronto and they're all yeah. smiling and giggling like they got up to some shit in toronto <laughs> and then and then dylan brooks was just like oh we had dinner at this restaurant and it was nice and he was like trying to dial it back and i'm like i want to do this like what did they do things got crazy at libretto yeah i want to do do this thing like what what did they get up to in toronto wrong answers only you know (laughs) we just like the thing is, is if we did wrong answers only, we'd probably get like all the right answers. We right? might of what they yeah. actually did. Yeah, I feel like Toronto. I think you were gonna say it, Freddie. Toronto nightlife is undefeated. It is. It really is. If you got money in this city, man, come on. <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. And and players treat you know. I mean, like we hear it all the time. Like especially the American players. Although you know, there's uh, there's some Canadian players there, but like. You, you always hear it. It's like, you know, Canada feels like you're in 
you know, it feels like you're in this like lawless land, I think for a lot of players and they come here and they're like, whatever, this is like, isn't, this isn't the U S like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, even though we're absolutely not in Vegas. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, the Dylan Brooks one though, that, that one I saw. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Dylan Brooks's foul. Cool. So it was early in the game. Um, he hit uh, Gary Payton Jr. the second. <laughs> really, it makes him sound like the fourth when I say it right. back to yeah. back. <laughs> um, he hit him really hard. Um, he now has an elbow fracture and he's in, out for an undetermined amount of time. Um, Steve Kerr, uh, he actually spoke during the broadcast and said it was a dirty play. He doubled down on that after the game and said, you know, there's a quote unquote code mm-hmm. in the NBA and he broke that code. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Gary Payton, he, he, Steve Kerr did a really good job of highlighting this in a way that I don't think is highlighted enough. Like this guy came through the G League. Um, this is a contract year for him. Mm-hmm. He's fought really hard to be in the NBA. He's finally like a starter. And now this happens and how much this impacts um, careers, really. And uh, even though he's like the junior of a very famous NBA player and like financially, I'm sure he's fine. But still, it's just like you're impacting someone's career in a significant way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you were saying earlier, Freddie, it's like it's in the air. Like you just can't. I mean, you can't hit players in the head like regardless but when you hit somebody in the head in the air it completely throws them off he had a really terrible landing and now he has this this injury and you know dylan brooks is suspended for a game but they've lost uh gary payton indefinitely so um yeah it's tough i definitely think it deserved uh the flagrant two i actually do think it deserved the suspension but it's weird because it's like because we know he's injured i think Mm -hmm. it's like we're looking at it more seriously than Mm -hmm. we're looking at draymond's foul on brandon clark and it's like do we should fouls be the same and suspensions be the same regardless of whether it leads to an injury or not because i feel like you know, Brandon Clark could have easily just been like six inches away from an injury. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it didn't land, it didn't end up in an injury, fortunately, but it easily could have been. Mm-hmm. So it's like, should we treat it the same or is it okay to review it after the fact and be like, no, this guy's injured and therefore we're going to suspend you. But maybe if he wasn't injured, you wouldn't be suspended a game. I feel like when it comes to Dylan Brooks, He's had some pretty, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's had some questionable ones in the past go against him in terms of flagrants. Yeah. And then you also factor in the thing that really bothered me about that one wasn't just the hit in the head. The hit in the head was bad, mm-hmm. but you could make the argument he was going for the ball. The ball mm-hmm. was already well on its way up, but he's trying to do his best to go after the ball, to do all of this stuff. Okay, you make that argument for me. The problem that I have with hit with he grabbed not just his he turned him, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see him grab him on his his hip and turn him, then he gets him in the head. And I can understand that like it's it's the similar thing that hockey had and really that like football had as well, the in the NFL that you want to make a play, make them feel you, right? Make your fouls count. Yep. You know, and okay, fair. But once you start to get into like turning someone's body, hitting them in the head, like, and you've done this type of thing before, that to me constitutes the suspension more than the injury, right? Because if you were to make that argument, every single time a player gets injured, you'd have people, you know, there'd just be people out of the game and not everything. For For as irritated as I was, to take it to the Raptors for a second when Scotty Barnes was out with that ankle injury. And I thought he was done for the series. Thank God he's, you know, 20 nothing mm-hmm. years old and he's still a, like a mutant. Like he's Wolverine. Yeah, and honestly. His body can heal. He even said that he's like, I got young bones. I'm like, you really do dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and for as much as I hated that, that was like careless at best, but it was, he was making a play. He was playing the game. He's playing yeah, ball. Yeah. He stepped on his foot. For sure. yeah. You know, like, I, was I frustrated by it? Sure. Should he have been suspended? Should it have even been a flagrant? Probably not. But the fan in me was like, ah, I want a flagrant. It was right. A flagrant. 
You know what I mean? But but you grab somebody in the air, turn them, and hit them in the head? No. Because if he just, even if he just hits them in the head, there's a chance he doesn't fall that way. It's grabbing him and taking him off of his um, axis that has him, and then getting hit in the head and being disoriented that has him falling in that way and really hurting himself. And yeah, like Kerr is a, a million percent right. That really messes with the way his his future trajectory could go. We don't know, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we don't know now what happens to this player when he comes back. Is he the same when he comes back? The Warriors lose a rotational piece. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's warranted as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all the way with you. I'm all the way with Steve Kerr too. And I feel like he did break the code. I'll even add that. I don't know if it was an air ball, but Dylan Brooks took a three earlier in the play and it's sort of like jogging back. Draymond does the hit ahead. And then there's this almost, I mean, sure, he's hustling, but there's this mm. like burst of energy. And you see him kind of like, like, I mean, first of all, just a side point. I blame LeBron for making like the chase down block, like even possible. Because <laughs> it's such a, like, I play in a rec league and basically, I mean, we're all older, but everyone's just like, hey, if you're leaving your feet, be careful. A, B, don't even attempt uh, right. a, a chase down block, because like, I mean, I've seen people tear their ACLs like trying to block someone. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's sort of like it's so reckless. And you know, you you talked about um, hockey, and it's sort of like the the, the icing call. The, there's some similarities there where it's just such a fragile point. These careers are so fragile, especially for guys like rotation guys or G League guys. Yeah. And then, you know, you have someone totally defenseless turned around in the air. And it's just like, it's it's, it's kind of like what for? Like, if, if that's your way of showing toughness, like mm-hmm. find a different way. Elbow the guy in the ribs. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not like pro fighting, but like punch him or something like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. whatever, get in his face, do something when, when, when he's expecting it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to me, it was really reminiscent of the uh, Grayson Allen, uh, Alex Caruso play. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it was sort of like it was just like there was an extra bit of violence that resulted in injury and you know to your question Catherine like I'm this is another thing I'm a little bit torn on mm-hmm. but my, my only answer is sort of like context matters reputation matters the injury I think you know we'd like to say like hey treat everything the same let's be consistent no matter what but also the injury it just it just hap- it just matters like it, you know what happens to the guy ultimately ultimately it, it, it's going to be part of the narrative you know which we were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. i think the injury uh, you know uh, you, you wish it didn't matter but it, it does and mm-hmm. yeah the fact that he's out for the remainder of the playoffs likely is a factor like if if he hopped back up and was like got in his face and things were okay. Um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be the same. I, I mean, you know, I, I think we're, we're yeah. Always, the, the fact yeah. that he even attempted to shoot his free throws after I was like, that makes my Ooh. elbows hurt. Just thinking about him shooting free throws after makes my elbows hurt. It's like, why are we doing this to people? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and, and you know what? You, you have to protect the fast break, too. I remember that, you know, there was a Scotty dunk earlier in the season where Gabe Vincent just wildly tried to block him. And we're lucky Scotty's like didn't break his femur. Like it yeah. was a, it was a really I mean, you know, Scotty was going full speed at the rim and, you know, and he got beer soaked. But the fact that Scotty got up and was OK. I mean, I guess this is against my point, but yeah, you know, because Scotty wasn't injured, but like, yeah, if Scotty was injured, I think like Gabe Vincent's at toss from the game suspension. Well, but, that's also know. the one though, that, cause I think if I'm thinking of the same play, that's one where he attempted to block him and then shoved him in the back afterwards. Yeah. Is that yeah. the play? Yeah. yeah. Like when I saw that immediately, I was like, get him out of the game. What are you doing? Like totally. if you, if you enforce that regardless of injury, I promise you less players are going to do that. And yeah. and that doesn't mean that you then can't say a player is going up, they're on a fast break, and you know that you can physically grab them and stop them. 
-hmm. I feel like you could still attempt those, but the notion of, oh, I got the block and now I'm going to shove you, you're not going to try that. You're going to think twice because you're going to know it's going to hurt your wallet and you're not going to be playing for a few days. Yeah, well said. And, you know, I'll I'll even say too, like, I'm not even a fan of like, you know, we had Damar and Lowry do it all the time. But like, you know, when, when it's not a clear path, but when they can tell there's an advantage, they just foul. Yeah. And it's sort of like yeah. that, you, you know, the people like the, you know, the fans, everybody wants like dunks and fast breaks. So you don't want to kill that momentum of the game. And yeah, I mean, it's a delicate line. Like, you know, like Matthew was saying, you want, you don't want to be tough and you want to be felt, but also you really have to curb that recklessness and, yeah, I feel like I'm 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 going back on uh, on my point about like unsure about the injury because I do think it is important to set the tone and be consistent, and you know, yeah, hit the wallet and players will definitely think twice. Well, I think too, like it's so difficult to be consistent about these things in basketball because everything has kind of its own circumstance around it, totally, and it's just so fluid. Like it's so impossible to be absolutely consistent about everything but i do think you know you try to be as much as possible i also think like you know if we go back to the game one thing with draymond for a sec it's like the refs are trying to set a precedent hmm. right like i think if that's a flagrant one then maybe dylan brooks's foul is a flagrant one you know but because that was a flagrant two they had to make dylan brooks's foul a flagrant two so they're trying to set this precedent and it's like freddie what you were saying earlier about Jeff Van Gundy saying that they're legislating toughness out of the game, but also it's like the game has evolved into a smarter game. Like people mm. are playing basketball smarter now. And that's why you see more p- perimeter play. That's why you see more three point shots and guys trying to get their three point percentages higher than they used to be because it's just a smarter way to play. And I think it just makes sense to move in that direction because we just know more now. Like, I don't think it's like, I think to um, root that in quote unquote toughness is, I I mean, I know I'm a a woman hosting a basketball podcast, but to me, that's toxic masculinity. I mean, it is. It's like, why is this about being tough? Like, this should be about being strategic. Yeah. and, And I'll say too, like, these guys are tough. I just think... The game Absolutely. looks different. You know, there's less post up. They're, they're not pounding the ball. I mean, these guys are getting hit all the time. Yeah. Every, the time. Like they, it's actually a very physical game and they are being hit constantly. And mm-hmm. speed, speed's a factor too, right? Like yes. you know, the game's way faster. I think, you know, defenses like are, are much more, you know, dynamic and, and, you know, there's a lot more wear and tear on guys' knees because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the most fun plays on offense is when aside from like a fast break dunk is when the ball's moving around, Mm. right? It's like when you get those passes and it's moving around and it hits a corner and you didn't see it coming, it's like, that's when basketball is at its best. So for me, it's like, I want to see that ball movement, you know, continue. I don't want to see like post-ups in the paint, like every freaking play, like the 2000 Lakers were. You know, like that was every play. It was a triangle into a post up to Shaq and then a turnaround and a dunk or a hook shot. Like, and, and they only scored like 80 points a game. Speaking of shoving people, Shaq was like, Shaq would dunk <laughs> on you and like pick you up and give you like the like Razor Maroon, uh, Razor Ramon, like, you know what I mean? Like, the Razor's Shaq, Edge, Shaq man. like just hit you with the Razor's destroyed Edge. Destroyed people. Razor's Edge. Yeah, Shaq would body people like on mm. in, in, yeah, in every way. But yeah. Yeah. And he was disagreeing sure. with the calls, I think, too. Um, mm. if I remember correctly, but I wasn't paying too much attention to the, to uh, the inside guys, if I'm being honest, also Canadian TV, you have to stop cutting off before we get the post game. Okay. Oh, I- I'm sorry. Please. I don't, this is like, this could be a whole rant for me for a long time. I'll keep it brief. TSN Sportsnet, stop showing me hockey highlights immediately after an NBA playoff game. I'm not interested keep the half hour post game and then you can show me your highlights after that. And I am more likely to stay tuned in. Honestly, I'm more likely to leave the TV on. If you give me the TNT post game. I disagree. I want to see those curling highlights. Stop it. No, you don't. 
you don't. Sponsored by You're Scotty's. Like, I need to know what Gushu did. <laughs> you did know the name of a end? curler? You know the name of a curler? I can't I watched... name a curler. <laughs> Kevin Hart. What's up? No, Kevin Hart? <laughs> no, sorry. Kevin Martin. Kevin Hart. Oh, my God. No, Kevin oh, Hart. Oh, man. Actually, you know what? Kevin Gushu's Hart in a curling movie could be really fun. Oh yeah. That'd like be great. If, if Kevin Hart was in a curling movie, like so many people would start curling, like the industry would boom. Yeah, hashtag Straight representation up. matters. <laughs> yeah, Look, honestly. We gotta we gotta write that script and get that to, to Kevin Hart's people yeah, no immediately. One can, no one can he'd steal, do it. No one can steal this idea. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't think he'd say no. I don't think Let's he would say it. no. Maybe yeah. Scotty's a sponsors the film. Yeah. yeah. Give give Scotty a little cameo. He we saw his his Jurassic Park commercial work. Uh, Put Scotty and Gary in there, and we got it. We got ourselves a movie. Uh, Anyone watching this on YouTube, the the t shirt behind Matthew with the fake blood stain getting steamed right now. (laughs) It's pretty great, right? You guys are getting a little inside peek at the at the costumes for the show. Wow, so good. Or that's a paid actor you've hired. To just you come in and play. You, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, my man. god. Anyway, all I say all this to say I absolutely love this playoff series. Um oh, this is like this might be man. my favorite series of the whole thing. Uh it's absolutely thrilling. Memphis is putting up a bigger fight than I thought. Uh I picked Warriors and Six hmm. for this, which still could be true, but I don't know, man. And then if this goes to seven and it's on the road, but I also, I really believe in this Warriors team. Okay. I'm going to get a little sentimental here for a minute. Okay. I I've decided I'm rooting for the Warriors because I think if they won it all, this would be one of the greatest comebacks we've ever seen in sports. And, and I think like I, and there's just this part of me that really wants to see that. And Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but it's like, you know, like LeBron isn't in the playoffs this year. Uh, Kevin Durant was barely in the playoffs this year. James Harden is like not who he used to be. And aside from Chris Paul and like if the Phoenix Suns win it all, like I would be very happy for the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. But really like them and the Warriors are kind of like all that's left from this old guard, you know, and and I just, oh. I don't know. Like, I just want to, I want to see this amazing comeback, but also like if Chris Paul won a championship, like that would like all would feel right in the world. Um, Which is also why I wish that was the actual finals. Hmm. You you know, what's being sentimental. You know, what's funny for me is I actually kind of love what Memphis might be able to pull off this year. And I've kind, and I've also thought that they've been one of the scarier teams in the NBA that, no one is really talking about mm-hmm. as much. And the part of me that lo- that would love to see them win, like I wish this was the Western Conference Finals. Yes. Because these two, te- any one of these two teams that wins a championship, I'm going to be happy. Because I agree with you. I think there is something to the redemption story of um, Golden State, even though we ended up being the ones that, you know, put a, yeah. put a dent in their dynasty. Mm-hmm. It would be pretty awesome to see them come back and be the warriors that they were. And to be honest, I kind of feel like in this series, you can see that they are like the old, that old warriors guard, I don't think is done this year. I think they might still have two, maybe even three more years left of really, really good basketball. And the only thing that might stop them are the people behind them. And that's where I get excited for teams like Memphis, Mm -hmm. you know, Phoenix is a little bit of that old guard, but Devin Booker is really young and plays really good ball. And Aiden. Um, Aiden, yeah, you know, like you got some really good people on the come up. I was talking about this the other day. Is it going to be um, so many people, including the, like the Raptors, didn't get their didn't didn't get their championships because it was LeBron James's time. Utah didn't get championships because it was Michael Jordan's time. Is it Giannis's mm-hmm. time? Right, like in the yeah. East, you know, if he runs through the whole East and wins another championship, the NBA is going to start looking like, uh oh, like there's the next really great one so the fun thing for me about this season if golden state doesn't take it is parody like any it feels like anyone and that is so exciting as an nba fan yeah i've I've been like jacked about that for a while you know i've said a bunch that i feel like 
the Raptors sort of like broke the wheel of mm. of, of of Golden State and that their hold on the NBA. And I, I'm totally into the re- redemption of Golden State as well. I feel like one thing I really like about this team is it's kind of back to the it's back to the OG Golden State it Warriors, and, and which like were Jordan actually Poole, fun. Kaminga and like. I hated the, the Durant Warriors. I'm very that camp. We yeah, don't the, have to do that now. That's like a August I, episode. I mean, <laughs> things were bleak. They were so good that they kind of made, I don't know, they made the half the league not try. And yeah. I, I think that's not happening now, which is exciting. But yeah, there's all these amazing sleeper narratives. Like, how about, how about you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big Miami guy, but like, if it's Kyle versus Chris Paul in the finals, it would just be Woo-hoo. like watching like two old men. Like, like it's like everyone has to go home and these guys are going to just like have an arm <laughs> wrestle. Like, I, I don't know. It, it would be so, it would be the best chess match. Like, and then, and then, yeah, I think the, the Giannis thing is, is key. Like to me, that's one of the least talked about narratives. It's like, I, I, I've been a big proponent of like, this guy's been the best player in the league for some time. And I think mm-hmm. there's, there's sort of this bouncing back and forth between other stars, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, he might have figured something out. And if he can, if he can get past the Celtics without Middleton, then it's sort of like, watch out. Yeah. And, and to be fair to them, because, you know, we are Toronto people. We, we have feelings about Boston. Mm -hmm. It is kind of interesting to me to see where the Boston Celtics trajectory is fully taken them with this core. Because I actually think that if they ended up being the team that takes it, now are you looking at all those teams that it's like, yeah, LA, try to put together your super teams. Brooklyn, try to put together your super teams. Yep. That core has been together through a lot. First round exits, not making the playoffs, making the conference finals. If they find a way to take it, it's like you've been, you, you're now looking at the, maybe the era where teams build teams. You know what yeah. I mean? And totally. really go through and take their lumps. Because I didn't think that was a team that I didn't think was going to be as good as they were really late in the season and especially right now. They oh, look, man, yeah. Well, you yeah, know, same. like they don't look I like they're going to be a pushover. Many a times. And mm-hmm. and I, I, I've been wrong. And I also, like Marcus Smart, I mean, that's a guy I slandered so much and he's straight up amazing. So yeah. you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to try and bury that opinion through the annals of time, you know, like mm-hmm. I want people to forget I ever said that Marcus Smart is <laughs> not great because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I recall um, Marcus Smart and comparing um, his flops to a Dancing with the Stars audition tape. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Great it's one of my hot Marcus Smart takes I remember having. Um, and I think it was just like he was very Kyle-esque, but we were still rolling with Kyle. So it was like, mm-hmm. we can't have, no. Like it yeah, just, I think that made Kyles. me more, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That made me more anti-Marcus Smart. But uh, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. And like that series, the the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics series, I have not been able to call that series which way it's going to go. It Mm -hmm. I think it's been absolutely wild. Like I was really impressed with the way Boston adjusted in game two. Yeah. Um it really feels like it's a Giannis versus everybody uh, scenario, <laughs> even though he's like the nicest guy and he would never like wear that. But I mean, they don't have a big three in Milwaukee. That's a big one. And mm-hmm. I, I just, it would be With so great if they were back to back champs. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they're actually the most disrespected champions ever. I think they're more disrespected than the Raptors championship, to be really? honest. Yeah. I think people forget they even won. Like <laughs> people absolutely forget they even won a championship. But it is just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a big believer in Giannis. I agree. I think he's been the best player in the league for a while now. But mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know about the rest of that team. Can Giannis just do it on his own? Because I really feel like he's doing it on his own. Yeah, I mean, that might be a little disrespectful. Well, I'll give some love to Drew Holiday, who's like talking about disrespected players. It's like that guy just like, uh, I mean, there was a who? No, I'm just kidding. I just felt like disrespecting (laughs) him more. (laughs) There was this play where he posted up Al Horford and scored, and I was like, what? Like he's just one of those guys who's like he has, like, yeah, he had a great game one. I think he's awesome, and and you know. Their their drop defense with Brooke Lopez, like man, Brooke Lopez, like talk about a guy that has has aged well. 
Like, oh, man, he, he used to be changed his game like a focal scorer guy. And now he's this very specific offense. And, and, and uh, he's just a very important part of that team. Bobby Portis is pretty great. Like, man, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree that Giannis is, it's it's not necessarily like the you know smart brown and and tatum scenario like i mean middleton also is uh he's not part of the series but that guy's just like he's like he's like the durant that nobody cares about like he's just an <laughs> iso king and but he's so he's kind of a boring interview so people are like next but he right. he's awesome man like i mean right yeah, yeah he puts up 10 or 15 more points a game and then he's like Kawhi. In in terms of the way that he's boring, but you have to interview him because yes, you're like, well, yeah. but you put up so much numbers, like we can't ignore you. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he's also figured it out throughout the playoffs, and I completely agree with you. I think Drew Holiday is one of their more underrated pieces, and I definitely don't think they get that ship last year without him. He is oh, such a key piece to what they do and how they do it, um, especially in those like like late game scenarios. Like he just he's great. He's great. Um, and yeah, I mean, quickly too, because it feels like we've touched on everyone else in the playoffs, the team that we um, just lost to, the other narrative is that the process works if they end up making it right. If the Sixers end up somehow figuring it out and getting past Kyle, somehow getting past a really strong, you know, team on either side of that draw, Milwaukee or Boston take it Mm -hmm. and then winning the finals, the pro like, the process works. The you whole just build you up. jumped so many leaps right now, but that's fine. We can... <laughs> like, oh. wait. we went from the Bucks to the 76ers and how the process works in like 30 seconds. I mean, but I love I... it. I love you. <laughs> this was a topic I'm that we just time naturally segued <laughs> into. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go, Catherine. Go, go. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not a believer in the 76ers. I'm not a believer in the process. I do think Joel Embiid's, Embiid's injury right now absolutely sucks. Yeah. Um, I felt terrible. Uh, it's not great. Joel Embiid's injury was going to be our next topic and how we feel about it as Raptors fans. You know, we cheered and we didn't know. And then Jack Armstrong was like, he deserved it because of the airplane thing. But then Pascal Siakam actually apologized immediately Mm -hmm. after the game and told him like he didn't mean that. And he said he felt terrible about it. Um, And so that that elbow wasn't actually related to what Joel Embiid was actually doing on the court after all and that it wasn't intentional. Some of the 76ers fans are saying like Siakam should get it a game, like he should be suspended a game next yeah. season for it. Um I mean it's a regular season game so it's lower stakes. Um but yeah, I, I feel terrible about his injury absolutely. Um I want to see a healthy 76ers lose to the Miami Heat so we can confirm that the process <laughs> doesn't work. Um, I hate that they can use this injury as an excuse, but I just, um, I don't want to believe in, in what they did. I think it's bad for basketball. And I think if it works, then it just puts the league in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, it's also interesting too, because even as I say, the process works. When you go back and look at what the process is, even if it does work, teams being like that's the recipe for success it kind of reminds me taking it to like another sport for a second but i think it was brian burke with the leafs when they were trying to talk about like how do you get like pittsburgh and he's like oh how do i get lucky and get two first round picks and end up having to draft two generational players and mm-hmm. losing on purpose to get is that is that a strategy for success of course it's not and and look at how long that process would take you know what i mean yeah like, yeah that's, Let's continue to lose. Guys, I got the strategy. Let's lose for 15 years. And maybe in the seventh year of those 15 years, we draft a generational player and then we lose more, but then we finally get good enough to win once. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, for me, it's like it's there's a few exceptions where it has, quote unquote, worked. Um, The San Antonio Spurs tanked one year and got Tim Duncan. I'm trying to think there's a few other examples that I'm suddenly blanking on, but 
it's like I mean, even like with the Raptors, you know, like we, the Tampa season didn't work, but then we got Scotty Barnes. But that's one year. Mm-hmm. It's not multiple years. It's not like what OKC is doing, where they're mm-hmm. just like hijacking draft picks. And I, I mean, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with all those picks. How, they're not going to be able to pay all of those top picks when they mm-hmm. finally do decide to draft some and keep some players. So it just doesn't make sense to me. And and yeah, I'm just echoing what you're saying essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the you know part of what's never talked about is the with the process is. Uh, just like culture killing. So mm-hmm. like, you know, San Antonio, they didn't kill their culture to get Duncan. The yeah. Raptors, you know, we didn't like out like, you know, OKC and Orlando tanked harder than we did that year. We still like yeah. played hard and, you know, we like we had so many unfortunate events and like, yeah, of course we rested Kyle and like we didn't we didn't try desperately to win or make the play in. But that to me is totally different than you know, shutting down Shea Gildress Alexander like mid season every year. Mm. Um, you know, guy's 23 or 24. It's like, well, what's going on there? And, yeah. you know, you know, like, yeah, if you go through the process, it's like GMs were fired, coaches yep. were fired, uh, players who were fantastic were traded for, for, you know, just constantly kicking the can mm-hmm. as a strategy is just brutal. You know, it's sort of a, it's like it's not fun, and I think there's a reason that Adam Silver and like the league office they try to they try to change the draft odds, right? Because they're like, this is horrible, and it's just not. You know, it's it's part of the reason for the play-in too, right? You want to incentivize. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd rather have like four or five teams tanking than like eleven. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just bad. Like it's not entertaining when, when you know, I, I think it was a couple games this year where you know, Detroit or OKC, like they're up at the half. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden, like Detroit just like doesn't play Jeremy Grant in the second half. And it's like kind of, I don't know. It's I, I get having the long view and you got to try to game the system in whatever way you can, but also you have to honor like this idea of being competitive. In my opinion. I agree wholeheartedly. It's why I I really knew confidently coming into the season that the Raptors were going to be okay because they mm-hmm. have people within from top to bottom in the organization. But even if I'm just talking about players on that bench, Fred Van Fleet doesn't want to Catherine, you and I talked about this. Fred don't want to be no, no lottery team. Fred wants mm-hmm. to win. Mm-hmm. If Fred mm-hmm. was like, Oh, we doing the lottery for three years, trade me. I yeah. think Fred would be like, he'd be like, get yes. me out of here. Right. And yeah. like the notion that you don't do that to your, it, it also helps elevate your development of other players because you are instilling winning in them so players that are not drafted nearly as high as some of these other players that go to OKC and Sacramento and these other teams are getting the opportunity to play competitive minutes with people who care about winning and therefore that ups their developmental game on all fronts so yeah I I fully agree with you both um, speaking of that, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. Uh, obviously our season is over, but we got an amazing press conference from Masai Ujiri. Oh, wow. Uh, Matthew, I saw you earlier yeah. this week posting mad love for Masai, uh, talking about how the Lakers dream. Uh, we all dream. We all want the best things in the world. And and they can keep dreaming. Uh, Matthew, what did you think of Masai's postseason presser? The only thing I needed was for somebody to start playing "I Dreamed a Dream" from Lay Miz in the background when he was speaking. <laughs> it was the Susan Boyle version. <laughs> yes. Susan, Susan Boyle. Boyle version. <laughs> wow, it was so fantastic, and one of the reasons why I love Masai, and I hope he never leaves this franchise. Are you kidding me? Absolutely, yeah. that's what he should have said, right? It's it's nice to have dreams. It's great to have goals. Have 100%. Them, right? But like, if, as a Raptors fan and a homer, it's one of the things that I've loved the most about this We The North era, especially in these last few particular years, where it feels like fans, you know, fans will crap on a team, but it feels like the media then also doesn't pay attention to the Raptors, doesn't really have any talking points about them, except when the offseason comes and now it's time for these franchises that are supposedly rich and we're supposedly poverty are trying to get, are trying to get fresh and they're running to us 
mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like Nick Nurse is a is a head coach on a team that has success and is already employed. Where the heck do you think he's going? Because it's Los Angeles. Miss me with that. Like, yeah, yeah we're, we're narrative... going to get into the the Nick Nurse stuff more in our our hottie highlight of the week. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like so from a side to throw that gauntlet down and be like, it's nice to have dreams. Beautiful, like chef's kiss. Yeah, you know, like oh, you good. can go after go after Adrian Griffith if you want to go after somebody, which I also love that he shouted out the black coaches that are in development within yes. his staff and said, boost them up, right? If you want to come get fresh off of somebody, you might be able to have one of these. And we can start talking about the Toronto Raptors coaching tree that drops branches and other teams and starts to get everybody else good. But you're not coming after our assets as if we're just your G League team, Lakers. That's not how this works. And I know that that's not necessarily coming from the organization. It's more coming from LA media. But it is just one of those things to hopefully finally just be like, stop it. Enough with this. Like, yeah, well, it comes from Lakers entitlement, right? Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think the more sure we are of ourselves, and I mean, sometimes I feel sorry for Masai because he, he comes in and he's like, okay, I want to win in Toronto and, um, you know, believe in yourselves. And like the immediate Toronto rebuttal is, but what if uh, we don't want to believe in ourselves? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. This guy believes in you. Like you need to look inward. You need to never suggest like, you know, trading Pascal for scraps ever again. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's sort of this constant thing where, you know, the city's just like not confident. And besides like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I already won a championship. I was never <laughs> going to leave unless, you know, like a, the Roger CEO, like, force me out with this weirdness and like you know weird like you know potentially like racial innuendos with the so it was reminiscent of like phil jackson posse stuff mm-hmm. but like because yeah he called like what besides like driver a bodyguard and it, it got weird but like mm-hmm. you know if we can retain Masai, he, he gets it he's like he's like listen I, i'm not going to talk about it but i want to bring a WNBA team here like Masai is so focused and, you know, he talked about the African league and it's just like this guy is able to wade through all of Toronto's insecurities and just like punch us with good stuff constantly. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, sometimes I feel like it's a blessing we don't deserve, but other times I feel like it's, it's a narrative battle where we're, where the, you know, the, the lack of confidence just, it needs to be, it needs to fizzle away. I wish he he was my life coach. Oh man. He's like, (laughs) yeah, he's all of our life coach. Like, like it's crazy. Like it's something to aspire to, right? Like it really is. Like he's, yeah, he's just such an incredible personality. And like, I mean, uh, by the way, for whatever reason, Kyle Kuzma is like, just like a nonstop Raptor stand now. And yeah. I love it. He's I trying to like get on our team, man. He's trying to get on our team. He gets it. I know he might be. I mean, I'm down with, I'm honestly, I would not be upset if Kuzma was on our team. I don't, I mean, I don't know who we'd have to like lose. So mm-hmm. I'm not like going there, but I'm just saying generally, if Kuzma was on our team, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this. When you think about the year that Messiah's had, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing, you know, post-Tampa, right? Coming home, the mm-hmm. horrendous contract negotiation that mm-hmm. he went through that we learned after the fact was about the stupid Rogers kids not wanting to pay him and not seeing his value and realizing he was living through a real-life episode of Succession, um and that's how much he wanted to stay here that he actually put up with that bs um because i think a lot of people would have been like screw this i'll just go somewhere else where i'm more uh respected and valued financially but then finally got paid Mm -hmm. before he even had his uh contract set up uh drafted scotty barnes against everyone else's you know jalen suggs picks Mm-hmm. You know, ends up drafting the rookie of the year, and the team ends up fifth in the East in a rebuild year. It's been an incredible year for yeah. Masai. Like to yeah. the point where I'm like, is he not like the I don't remember what the front office award is called, but is he not like the president 
basketball president of the year. Like, I think executive there's a real the year, case think, to right? be yep. executive of the year. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I prefer president of the year. <laughs> that's so silly. Chairman of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, to me, it's like, that's a hell of a year for Masai. Like, he did really, really well. Like, I mean, I was so nervous last summer when those contract negotiations were being extended and Mm. I didn't know what was going on and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, rest assured once again, we're all, we're all in a great place with him. And, Mm. you know, I, I, I think I'm not alone in this. We all kind of value him as like the most valuable Raptor really. Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. I think, you know, it, it, it said everything that um, when, when the dust kind of settled that, there were, you know, premiership and like big time soccer teams courting him. Like I, I've always said, like he he doesn't look at like Washington, and he's like, oh, maybe I'll uh, be the GM <laughs> of uh, Washington. <laughs> like if 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 Masai wants to go somewhere, the weather is five degrees warmer. <laughs> yeah, like if he wants to go somewhere, it's like it's he's gonna take Adam Silver's job. He'll you know maybe run the African League. Like he's 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 just he he sees the forest for the trees. He's patient and you know, it's just, we're, we're so blessed as fans that he doesn't like hear the noise. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. The, the, the tightest it, it's what I, it's what I've always been asking for. Right. Like, and I feel like a lot of Raptors fans too, when we used to joke and say, you know, we want to be Spurs North. Yeah. That has always been attractive to me, not necessarily because of the the winning is a part of it but it's the culture and the way the organization is run yeah. to be good consistently for years we don't have to win back to back to back championships but if every time a team sees us they go oh damn oh crap we're in trouble i'm happy with that because more often than not you're going to find yourself in a position where you can win a championship and yeah. we're there like you know yeah I- I, um, I I couldn't agree more. And like, and, and sorry, Catherine, I just want to say like, I feel like, you know, the Spurs are going to be good before OKC. Just watch. Yeah. Ooh, because of ooh, culture. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. I, sorry. I just know that uh, Matthew's got a heart out. So we got to wrap this up. We got to talk a little bit about Nick nurse. Uh, he also addressed the Lakers rumors um he said you know he's here he's obviously he's contracted to be here for another two years he said he he would if he was a free agent he would play here i think he tried to uh say that he's not going anywhere the best way he could without uh sacrificing his own future leverage Mm -hmm. um so i was happy with that uh he is with clutch sports so there's that whole BS. Maybe he was even a little in on it. I think he just knew it was just like the big compliment that it actually is. And I think uh, Nick Nurse loves being a celebrity. That's my that's my big take on it. Uh, if I'm saying it super quick. Uh, <laughs> Freddie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think like, you know, it's 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 up to Canada. Like let's let's not be insecure. Let's let's put Nick on all the shows. You know what I mean? He's already been on like Murdoch Mystery. He's already uh rocking with Jason Priest. Yeah, I gotta like, write him a role and run the burbs. That's what yeah, I yeah, get him on run the burbs. Let's get him on like a Hudson Rex. Like, like let's get this guy. Make sure he make sure he gets to see it all. You know? Yeah, yeah. Let's get him on Digstown. Let's get him yeah, man. all of it. Let's find a way. Yeah. Um Nikki guys Nurse, baby. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, Matthew, uh, tell us real quick about your play and where people can find you uh, on the internet. Yes, uh, people can find me uh, with the tag at Mr. MGB. Oh, sorry, at it's Mr. MGB. That's I-T-S-M-R-M-G-B on Instagram and on Twitter. And the show that I am in is called Is God Is, written by Alicia Harris at Canadian Stage co-pro with Obsidian Theater and Necessary Angel, Berkeley Street Theater. First preview is today, May 6th. We open on May 11th. We close on May 22nd. Go online and get your tickets now. Amazing. And Freddie, let us know what you're up to and where people can find you on the internet. Um, yeah, well, let, let me just say to everyone, um, I've seen Matthew act and uh, it's absolutely, it's uh, it's mesmerizing. He's, he's incredible on stage. And, um, you know, before we ever... 
uh, met or, you know, podcasted together. Uh, me and my wife saw a play he was in and it was, it was absolutely incredible. So go yeah. check him out for sure. Check out the play. Uh, you can check me out, uh, you know, on Twitter and Instagram at Freddie Revis or at Freddie Noel Revis on Insta. And, uh, yeah, check out my pod on Raptors Republic, Confederacy Dunks. And, um, uh thanks so much everyone for tuning in uh freddie and i also have a wnba podcast called the pickup which is available on the sonar network uh we just dropped our season preview episode this week so check that out uh you can find me on twitter or instagram at it's me underscore Catherine, spelled c-a-t-h-r-y-n thank you so much and we'll check you back uh next week bye thanks, y'all. thank you see ya